Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him, his co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, so let's waste no more time, shall we? Head on over to odphpodcast.com. And definitely keep that conversation going after the show. You definitely want to go check out the social media links. They're all right there on the front page with the T Public Store link, with the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. You can find them in the liner notes of this episode as well. The Parlay Points blog section, the directory, the classifieds. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. But let us recap the week that was in the NFL, because honestly, is anything bigger in sports than the NFL right now? Uh, Maybe the Braves and Mets coming close, but it's not beating it. It's close. It's close. It's close. It's close right now. But we have to recap the week that was in the NFL, week four of the National Football League. And we have to break down our picks, but that's how we go through the locks and leaps before we get to everything else. So, Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so I'm going to start with my lock. And, eh, well, I don't know if you call this a loss or just call it reasons. Reasons. Uh, but I chose the Detroit Lions to beat the Seattle Seahawks because I, I looked. I'm like, hey, look, Detroit's the hot hand. Seattle, yeah, they're kind of hot and cold. I think Detroit would be able to do it. They almost did, though, uh, with no defense involved uh, because the Seattle Seahawks beat the Detroit Lions by the final score of 48-45. to 45. Geno Smith, uh, 23 of 30 for 320 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Jared Goff, 26 of 39 for 378 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception. And take solace, folks, if you stop something from like falling, like you, you knock something over, you catch it midair, mm-hmm. you've now played more defense than either of those teams did on Sunday. I didn't get a chance to watch this live. And I remember jumping in our Locks and Leaps chat Yep, and going, what the hell is going on here? Uh-huh. Because the fact that Seattle yep. with Geno Smith, uh-huh. yes, that Geno Smith uh-huh. put up 48 points. And Detroit, who is leading the NFL, if I'm not mistaken, in points scored. Uh, I can look it up, but probably. Dropped 45 this was not on my bingo card by any means. I apologize for just popping in the mic, but you can hear the shock in my voice that at this day and age, I am commenting on Seattle without Russell Wilson dropping 48 points and Detroit with Jared Goff leading the charge, dropping 45 in return. I mean, the stats are wild and they're a fantasy owner's wet dream and let's be let's be real folks some of these guys might be available in your fantasy leagues but i would you know kind of sit back and think before you make picks like this because we see something like this where somebody has a monster game Mm -hmm. and then they come back and it's a stinker you know the stats though are insane Uh, on the seattle side for rushing uh rashad penny 17 carries 151 yards two touchdowns he averaged 8.9 yards a carry so basically the man took a run and it was second and one or second and two 
Uh, on the Detroit side, Jamal Williams, 19 carries, 108 yards, two touchdowns, uh, average 5.7 yards a carry. On the receiving side uh, for Seattle, DK Metcalf, seven catches, 149 yards, receiving no touchdowns. He averaged 21.3 yards a carry. And that, Jesus, Marion Jones. And that's not even factoring in his bathroom trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Lockett, six catches, 91 yards, no touchdowns, averaged 15.2 yards a catch. Uh, Will Disley, four catches, 39 yards, uh, one touchdown. Uh, And then on the Detroit side, TJ Hawkinson, eight catches, 179 yards receiving, two touchdowns. Josh Reynolds, seven catches, 81 yards, one touchdown. Tom Kennedy, three catches, 54 yards, no touchdowns. Like, these stats are insane. They're insane? The only one I have on my fantasy team, though, is TJ Hawkinson? Uh, I have DK Metcalf. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't get DK. Which which I got ner- which I got nervous when I saw oh, DJ DK Metcalf took a cart back to locker room and I'm like shit, and then it actually turned out to be literal shit. Yeah, amazing story there, amazing. Mm-hmm. But uh, and yes, you're right. According to TeamRankings.com uh, and NFL uh, stats for points per game, your current leader is uh, the Detroit Lions, and they're one in three. Yeah. Like how much of a bizarre world style game are they playing they're averaging 35 points per game uh and in second place is the kansas city chiefs with a 32.3 they're outscoring kansas city and let and baltimore let that sink in they're outscoring kansas city baltimore you might say yes like okay that makes a little more sense because if lamar has an off week then they all slow down mm-hmm. but they're beating kansas city the patrick mahomes show yeah and yet they're one and three yep like how absurd is this i mean that's the easiest way to describe it there is no rhyme or reason that detroit should not be three and one legitimately but yet here we are well they lost their first game which was a close one to philly 38 35 should have won that one. Oh yeah you could argue uh came back won their second game against washington 36 27 mm-hmm. lost their uh third game to the minnesota vikings 28 24 so the game and then they lost to Seattle, 48-45. So they're right there. Yeah. It's just mis- misplay, tackle, bad coverage, you know, whatever. You know, we're just, you know, a couple of things bounce in their favor, and they pull off a couple more wins. Well, that's the whole thing about Detroit that we've talked about in the preseason show and even through the regular season now. They have all the potential in the world. They just have the worst luck mm-hmm. out of any team in the Probably all pro sports. I'm going to go on the record and say No, that. yeah. I mean, because you think even back to last year where they were mediocre, you know, yeah. single-digit wins, and they almost pulled one off against Baltimore, you know, and they, it literally like the last 30 seconds of the game or whatever the heck it was. Mm-hmm. And then Justin Tucker comes in and kicks an NFL record longest field goal. Yeah. Like that is, if that ain't bad luck, I don't know what is. No, they're the kings of it. There's, there's no doubt in my mind about this. And yet... They just can't put it together. I don't know how they're going to rebound from this because they should. They're too talented on offense, and yes, I am Mm -hmm. saying that. Way too talented on offense to keep losing games like this. The defense needs to find somebody other than Aiden Hutchinson to do something. Right. I'm sorry. Like It should not be all on him to really pull everything together. Like Sure, he can be the leader of that defense, and he's emerging as it. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you need somebody in that secondary to make a play and really do something. Right. Like, I understand, DK Metcalf is a tough handle for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are in the league. Oh, yeah. But still. It's a big dude. You need to make a stop when you need to make a stop. And Mm -hmm. the fact that they can't do that 
and yet time and time again, their losses are close, and they just can't lock it in on the fourth quarter. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. Pretty much. Detroit would be amazing if they only played three quarters. Yeah. Legitimately. Or they did like Syracuse football did this past weekend and shortened the quarters to 10 minutes. Yeah. If they did that, they'd be fine. But for whatever reason. It's a true story, folks. Look it up. Yeah. For whatever reason, though, they can't do it. And this is a testament to how much they've improved, but how much they're still struggling. And it's something at this stage of the game. Week four is the benchmark of to see how your team is doing. Mm -hmm. Either your season is a wash, your season's on the bubble, or your season is good. Right. They should be good. They should be. I fear it's going to be a wash because one and three is basically the same as 0 and 4. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. If you have more than two losses, you're in trouble. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to bounce back. It's going to be interesting. But what they need to do this offseason, and I hate saying this already, writing them off, but let's face it, unless they put some wins together, mm-hmm. it's going to be the same old same the rest of the year. This offseason, they need to get some defense. They need to get some defense. I also think they need to get a, a quarterback because Goff is fine, you know, but he's not the guy. Oh, sure. You, you know, I think you need maybe a couple, you know, they've got some good offensive pieces, but not clearly any stars. I think they need to get at least try and get at least, you know, whether it's through the draft or f- free agency, try and get somebody in there, you know, who's a, who's a star receiver, star tight end, whatever you want to call it. You know, and then obviously defense, you know, because Aiden Hutchinson is doing wonders, but, it, it, you know, one man can't cover every offensive weapon on the other side of the ball. No, he's he's been the lightning rod they need to, to at least be presentable on defense, mm-hmm. but he needs help. It's a good foundation. Now and, you just need the rest of the house. And what I would do if I'm the Detroit GM this offseason, that's all I'm looking for. I'm looking for free agents. I'll find something in the draft. Sure. Sure. I can find something. There. Sure. But I'm going to just scour, okay, who's the top defensive player that we can use and that's who you should go hone in on no question about mm-hmm. this you might have to pay a little extra because sure. it, it could be franchise it doesn't matter you're on the cusp it's do or die in this situation because your team is there dan campbell's not going to make it through the, the season uh another season like this i'm sorry it's just not going to happen it's not fair to him because he's actually turning that culture around mm-hmm. as head coach but where you got to start is just go all in on the offseason I know that Detroit sure has had the woes of everybody. Oh, yeah. But they can definitely turn this around if they play their cards right, and that's where they just need to just find a way to make this happen. Yeah. And if you got to spend money in that offseason, I mean, there there's a salary cap for a, a reason. Yeah. But you can pull this off. You, you can work make, some magic. You can make this happen, and I think the next season they could do this. I hate writing them off already, but unless you show me something within the next two weeks – the season's done. Well, it ain't going to get any easier because this upcoming Sunday, uh, they're in New England playing the Patriots. Uh, they have a bye week in week six, which, the, I mean, then the Patriots, thing, who knows how the hell that's going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they have a bye week in week six. After that, this does not get any, get any easier because then you've got the Dallas Cowboys, which Dak could very well be back by that point. We're mm-hmm. talking week seven, so that's the 23rd of October. Uh, then they've got Miami, Green Bay, Chicago, the Giants, Bills, Jaguars, Vikings, Jets, Panthers, Bears, and Green Bay to close out the year. I mean, they got an easier end half, but not the midway point. That's there, gonna be there's a, there's a stretch in there that's going to be rough. Yeah. So for Detroit, I mean, what else can you really say? It's it, it on paper they should be doing a lot better. Mm-hmm. They should be. I mean, this is unexcusable for a season that they're leading the NFL in scoring. The fact that they only got one win is atrocious. Yeah, absolutely atrocious, top to bottom. 
And for Seattle, hey, you're doing better than we thought you'd do. Yeah, I mean, two and two for two and two, considering what you got. You know, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, no, I'll say that. Consider going forward. I mean, I don't think they're going to do anything in in the West, but no, I the mean, West is too loaded. I think that that's going to be the problem they struggle in. But I think though, if they can be presentable and go 500 right now, yeah. which I mean, they have the the possibility to. Geno Smith is playing okay. Yeah, he is. He's not scaring anybody, but he's playing okay enough that they could split you know, a 9-8 season. I mean, if you'd have told me a couple of years ago that Geno Smith would be throwing for north of 300 yards a game, which he has the last two weeks, I would have said you're absolutely fucking out of your mind. I would agree with you completely. I absolutely have to say that. I mean, he is going to be that most improved player if he keeps on this pace. If he can keep this up, absolutely. He yeah. De- he deserves it. No, absolutely, if he can do this. But I, I'm going to tell you, I'm not really holding my breath on that. Sorry, Seahawks fans. I just don't see him holding this momentum moving no. forward. I just – I don't. No, because the next couple of games they got, uh, they're playing the New Orleans Saints that is down in New Orleans uh, this coming Sunday. Then they've got the Cardinals, Chargers, Giants, Cardinals again, and then they've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before they've got a bye week in week 11. I mean, they could squeak out one against yeah, the Giants. There's, there's a couple of games in there they could win. You Giants know. might be able to swing. Saints depends on who's starting quarterback. Yeah, there know, is. that's a whole mess. Giants depends on their whole quarterback situation, which we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, that's a whole you know, other ball wax. But but the games against Arizona, maybe maybe not. I mean, it is it is divisional, so you never know. But hey, uh, so we'll see. There's a couple of games they could win though. There's a couple of games, but. I mean, if you go 500, obviously, with how your season was projected to be, I'll take that as a win. So yeah. take a solace in that, and congrats on the on the insane scoring fiesta mm-hmm. that is that game. I'm yeah, that, sorry, that like, was like a Madden video game. That was just a party right there. So It was. Uh, and then for my leap, I looked at the Arizona Cardinals and the Carolina Panthers, and I couldn't believe Carolina was favored. I'm like, on what fucking planet yeah. are, you, are you seeing how Baker has been playing lately? Mm-hmm. Uh, Baker continued to play like shit because the Arizona Cardinals beat the Carolina Panthers by the final score of 26 to 16. Kyler Murray had 22, or excuse me, 23 of 32 for 207 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Baker Mayfield, 22 of 36 for 197 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions, and one. One of them, quite possibly the worst interception I've ever seen in my entire life. You know, he went to throw a pass. I think it was like late fourth, maybe in the third. It was second half. Mm-hmm. Went it dropped back to throw a pass. You know, J.J. Watt, I don't think he jumped. I think he just got his hand up, Yeah, batted it up in the air, and then it like a feather floating down to the earth. You know, the defender was in there to catch the ball, and it was just one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. Talk about a tale of two teams. Yes. You have Detroit. And you have Carolina. Both are one and three. Arizona without uh, DeAndre Hopkins, mind you. Yeah, well, Arizona's two and two. Yep. This is the true testament of a one and three team. Carolina is not good. No, they're not. No, they're not. And the Browns are looking like geniuses for dumping Baker Mayfield at this stage. I didn't think he was going to fall off as bad as as bad as he has. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's bad. Uh, he had 235 yards passing in his first game against the Cleveland Browns because, hey, it's his old team, of course. Sure. Uh, then he came back week two against the New York Giants and lost to them uh, with 145 yards passing. Uh, beat the New Orleans Saints with 170 yards passing and then uh, lost to the Cardinals with 197 yards passing. So he hasn't cleared 200 since opening day. Yep. That is not going to win you games in the NFL. And I'm sorry if he got up for the one game and was defeated because they didn't pull off the W. I I don't want to say it's like Atlanta 
losing the Super Bowl. Yeah. But it's the same thing that maybe he's haunted by it. Well, and the thing, too, is I pulled up his stats for the season. He has 747 yards passing, which is good for 27th in the NFL. Four touchdown passes, which is tied for 20th in the NFL. Three interceptions, which is tied for 14th in the NFL. And his QBR, 15.4, which is good for 32nd in the NFL. Yeah, get out of here. That's fucking atrocious. You and I can have a better QBR than that guy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the kid that came from Oklahoma that was supposed to re-energize the Browns franchise, he's gone. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Baker is just not the guy, and the Browns made the right move by getting rid of him. I mean, maybe not the right move by getting Deshaun Watson, but made the right move by going move, in a by moving di- on, going to a different direction. Because if you're seeing the play on the field, he is just looking lost out there. And, and that was with him having a lot of weapons when he was in Cleveland. Exactly. You know, o- Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry was there. You, you had the tight end in Joku. Mm-hmm. You know, the running backs with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb that's like, Listen, it's not exactly Madden, you know, turn off the budget and then f- turn on forced trades and make a super team. Sure. But on paper, it's a pretty decent team. It's a decent squad. It's a decent squad, and he wasn't able to get anything done with that. So now he moves to, you know, Carolina, which, you know, the receiving core is not anything special. No. The running game on paper should be, but McCaffrey has just, I don't know what it is, has just not been himself since his injuries. You know, week one, he had 33 yards. He was the high rusher for the team. Weeks two and three, he cracked 100 yards with 102. 108 respectively but this week he only had 27 yards rushing he is not dependable no McCaffrey has fallen off too I'm sorry like this team should be better it should be but they're not they should be better they should and we're not saying like oh these guys should be leading the NFC South this team should be Super Bowl contenders no but like you look at it with McCaffrey you know Baker Mayfield and then some of their receivers you know they got DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson who listen they might not exactly be household names, but they're still serviceable. They're still decent, you know, on paper. But you look at this and just go, you should be at least a little better than this. They should be a lot better than this, but they're not. And this is really exposing Carolina very badly. I don't think their head coach makes it to the end of the season. I, I think he might, but he's gone, you know, the Monday after the final game of the season. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. I mean, Carolina is just a hot mess express. There is no other way to describe them. Baker is failing them tremendously, mm-hmm. and he's not going to be the answer moving forward. He's Absolutely not, not. And, I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm not wishing for anything bad to happen with him, but I think it's time that he might just ride off into the sunset. Yeah, he might play him out for this year just because, I mean, I'm looking at their depth chart on ESPN.com. He is listed as the starter. P.J. Walker is listed as their second-string starter. Uh, Sam Darnold is their third-string starter. Ghostbuster. Yeah, exactly. But they've got IR listed with Sam Darnold there. And then a gentleman by the name of Matt uh, Coral is their fourth-string starter, but he's also listed on IR. So P.J. Walker or or Baker Mayfield? Eh, I'm sticking with Baker for now. I'd go P.J. I, like, I'm just going to say this. Carolina, their season's done. Let's be honest about this. You can try spinning any single way you want, but from what you're seeing the performance on this team, there is no performance. There is no spark. They're just going through the motions. Matt Rule, I mean, like I said, I think he's gone at the end of the season. I don't think he's going to bounce back. PJ, if memory serves me right, 
was very serviceable last year. Uh, well, he is in his third year. Uh, he was drafted out of Temple. Uh, he, well, he might not have been drafted. He might have been free agent. He played college at Temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his two seasons, he has not played a game this year, so don't have any stats for him this year. Right. But in his two seasons he has played, he has played nine games, uh, completed 68 passes on 122 attempts, good for 55.7%. 730 yards, so he's averaging six yards a pass. Two touchdowns, eight interceptions. His longest is for 52. He's been sacked 11 times, and he's got a rating of 51.6. Well, if you're sacked 11 times, that's not going to help you anyway. So that means no. your, your line is trash. So I I think when I've seen him play, though, he's been at least more. Oh, this is a weird statement. Man, this is going to be a weird episode for all the uh, analogies, but he looks more confident than Baker. Maybe. I hate saying it, but it's true, though. And you wouldn't think that with Baker being the former face that runs the place in Oklahoma, came in number one draft pick. Baker looks like a shell of himself. You know, especially with the hype that he was coming in with where he had the, what was it, the uh, Ohio State game or Texas game or whatever game it was where, like, he went to midfield and stuck the flag in midfield. I think it was Ohio State. Yeah, I mean. Like, he's coming in with all the hype and all the praise, and it's just never turned out. I know, like, I fear, and I apologize who made the exact statement. He's like Johnny Manziel 2.0. You know, well, and you know what it's reminding me of? It's reminding me at least a little bit of Matt Leiner. You yeah. Know, when he was at USC, had a lot of success at USC, great quarterback in college, just when he got to the NFL, was never able to convert it over. Well, that's the one thing, too, with a lot of quarterbacks you see come out of college. Are they products of the system, or, they, or do they actually have that natural ability? Sure. I've said this all the time about Alabama. Mm-hmm. I mean, until recently, I mean, that argument is still up for debate, but still, that they just don't translate to the pros because when you have an all-star team around you, I mean, yeah. you and I could look great behind that line. And then you took USC, same thing. Yeah. I mean, the last great quarterback they had, I mean, well, define great, but yeah. the last noteworthy one was Carson Palmer. Palmer there, Liner, yeah. I mean, there's Liner's, been, Liner was a bust. There's, there's, Darnold was a bust. There's been, some, there's been some guys that come out of USC since the Carson Palmer, Matt Liner days, but none of them ever done anything. No. Cut, they're for a cup of tea, and then they're gone. Exactly. Like, they get all that hype behind them, but when you're surrounded by that much talent, you will you should elevate your game. It doesn't translate in the pros, though, and this is something Baker is finding out because, I mean, same thing with Oklahoma. I mean, when was the last time? Sam Bradford? At least, yeah. You know, and, he, and even then, he's more known for the $52 million guaranteed and then getting an injury and being out of the league. Exactly. So Carolina is a big mess. On the flip side, Arizona, I mean, they're scrapping. Yeah. That's the easiest way to describe them. I mean, I know we didn't do a real deep dive about them, but Kyler Murray looked good. Yeah. It kind of looked like a typical game for them. So spreading the ball around, you know, Marquise Brown, uh, six catches, 88 yards. Zach Ertz, six catches for 47. Uh, Trey McBride, three catches for 24. James Conner, three for 22. Rondell Moore, three for 11. You know, Eno Benjamin, Gre- uh, Greg Dorched, and Daryl Williams also had some targets and catches in there. But And then on the run game, uh, James Conner, 15 carries, uh, 55 yards. You know, so spread the ball around. Might want to work on the run game a little bit more, but eh, is what it is. Yeah, with Kyler getting 12 run uh, attempts there for 26 and a touchdown. I mean, they played good. like they do. Like, there's nothing really flashy about the Cardinals. They're scrappy. Yeah, very much so, especially with that, that Raiders game a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so this was typical Cardinal football, so there really isn't a lot to deep dive in about. No. I know they're counting down the days till DeAndre Hopkins comes back. Yeah, that's, what, week seven, I believe? Yep. Uh, yeah, so that is against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, and in the meantime, in between time, they've got a home game against Philly this upcoming Sunday, and then they're on the road in Seattle the following week. 
Philly is a tough challenge. Seattle is division. So mm-hmm. it's going to be scrap. It's going to, like I say, that's the easiest way to describe them. They're going to scrap. Yeah, but they're going to have uh, Hopkins back for some of their big games later in the year. They got the Rams, Niners, uh, Chargers, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, Niners again. So they'll have them back for some of those big games. And that's what they're going to need if they're going to make a run for this. They can definitely squeak in there. I, like I say, I've not really been blown away by them, but they, I'm not going to say they're like Indianapolis. Yeah. But. You know what you get out of them. Mm-hmm. They're going to pass a lot, and Kyler's going to make some runs when you don't think he should run. Mm-hmm. But that's what they do, and it works. So Arizona, though, did what they needed to do, splitting the series, coming out 2-2. Two and two. That's what they yeah. really need some momentum going against that rest of the uh, NFC West there. Oh, yeah. Next up, though, we're talking my locks and leaps. And you and I had the same leap, so we won't we get did. into that too much. But my lock... Man, if you thought one team was going to be 4-0 and at this stage. You live in the uh, city of Philadelphia. I That's what I was going to say. I wasn't thinking it was going to be Buffalo, but it is Philadelphia. And they defeated those Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. But not an easy task, though. No, so Philadelphia won by the final score of 29-21. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 16-25 of 25 for 204 yards passing. No touchdowns, one interception. Trevor Lawrence, 11 of 23 for 174 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, and this was a wild game uh, in so much that uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, after the first quarter, were up 14 to nothing. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Well, I think there's a couple different storylines coming out of this one. I mean, one, are the Eagles the real deal? I think so. They're another scrappy team. Jalen Hurts is playing exceptionally well. Yeah. And that does help that when he is now finally stabilized that quarterback position, which has been a little rocky past few seasons in Philly, we got to sure. be honest. That helps tremendously. And especially he's getting the passing game going. A.J. Brown really had a, a big game, maybe one of the bigger ones I've seen him in recent memory doing. Uh, yeah, five catches, 95 yards, no touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Devontae Smith was a little slowed down, but still he's out there. And, and I would say more of like a distraction at this stage. Yeah. Too, but when he gets off, he gets off. But three catches for 17 is, honestly, people say, oh, that's a quiet stat line. But is it if he's distracting and allowing A.J. to get open? He, he averaged 5.7 yards a catch, which every time he caught the ball, the three times he caught the ball, put him at a second and five, yeah, which so, is ideal. Yeah, so he, he did what he needed to do. And then on the on the running game side, Mike Sand, Miles Sanders, Jesus, he, finally you get a real running back in Philly. Yeah, that really has taken the game over, and I think this is what really played into their factor for twenty seven, one thirty four, and two. A, a, amazing line. Yeah, that's what you need for Philly football to really click in because when Jacksonville, who let's face it, totally different team this season. Yes. Trevor Lawrence is actually looking like not bad. Trevor Lawrence. He's looking not bad. No, but to jump out early, that was huge. Yeah. But then again, this team, we've said, is kind of on the bubble. Yeah. We don't really have a lot of faith in Jacksonville, <laughs> even no. though they have the $90 million receiver, Christian Kirk. Two catches, 60 yards, no Ex- touchdowns. Exactly. You can do the math of how that breaks down with that contract. I'm not going to do that here. But they showed up, but they can't hold that lead because Philly really just outfought them. I mean, it was not a pretty game by any means. No. But they really went in there, and Philly just said, okay, we took your first punch, now we're swinging back. Well, and it also, I think, shows a little bit that uh, Jacksonville's run defense sucks. Well, you're looking at Miles Sanders' stats. Obviously, the, the Jalen Hurts thing is nice, but he didn't have any touchdown throws. They just ran the ball down your goddamn throat. Well, that's the one thing that with Jacksonville, they're really not known for is their defense. I right. think if you talk 
pre-Urban Meyer, I mean, there's been a couple players that have really stood out on defense for him, but not enough to you really game plan. And I think for Philly, they have enough <laughs> faith in Hurts and what his calls now. Yeah. This is going to be a scary situation for a lot of teams moving forward. And with having that much faith, they're really letting him go off and dictate the pace. Sanders was just punching the ball down their throats. Mm-hmm. If it's not broke, don't fix it. That's right. all they were really relying on. And for Jacksonville, that took him out of the rhythm of a lot of things. And especially you see that second and third quarter run, they didn't get any points. They weren't really moving the ball. Like They literally exploded in the beginning and faltered out at the end. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do that, you're not going to hang with the elite of the NFL or the NFC least. And I will say, even with the NFC least, Philly is kind of a step ahead of everybody else in that division. Yes. Easily. Yes. The Commanders, bum, 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 bum. Nothing right home about there. No. The Giants, I'm sorry. We'll get into that. Yeah. And then Dallas. Dallas is doing Dallas things. Mm -hmm. But still, I don't know if you call them an elite team by any stretch of the means. No. Not, I, I, mean, I I wouldn't. I, I don't really have a lot of faith in saying elite, but they're good. I will say that. They're a good team, and they're pulling this off, obviously, without Dak, which is even right. more impressive. But Philly just seems like they're that much a step ahead at this stage. And for Philly, this is big because if they can get some wins early, as they're doing, and maybe get to like a 6-1 and one range, 6-2 and two range, you have to think they're going to punch their ticket for the playoffs. You would think. Without a colossal collapse, because I mean, looking at the rest of their schedule, I think they can make a decent run. Yeah. So Philly, uh, this upcoming Sunday has the Arizona is traveling to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Then they're at home against the Dallas Cowboys. They got a bye week in Week Seven. And then they close out the year uh, playing Pittsburgh, Houston, Washington, Indianapolis, Green Bay, Tennessee, the Giants, Chicago, Dallas, New Orleans, and then the Giants again. There's a stretch run after that bye week. They could really solidify first place in that division. Mm-hmm. They just got to get through the next couple weeks. The, inter- the interesting one, though, is going to be Indianapolis, Green Bay, and then Tennessee three weeks in a row. Mm. Uh, that could be rough. That could be rough, but depends on what team shows up from the AFC South. Yes. Because I have no faith in Indianapolis, and I have zero faith in Tennessee at this stage. And I did not think I was going to say that about them, but here we are. And that's something that Philly – could really hang with them. If they get some wins over them, too, that's a true tested playoff team. That's something that they need to really take home and really build on. And like I say, Jalen Hurts, his confidence is looking amazing. Mm-hmm. For Jacksonville, I mean, I, this is a bad loss, I guess, but I would say considering f- for how you hung in there, yeah. I mean, only losing by 8-2 is not anything to sneeze about. Yeah. I think this is a good sign for Jacksonville, especially for a division that's so weak right now. Well, and the wild thing is, in the four games they've played, they the two, their two losses are to two of the NFC East teams, mm-hmm. Washington and Philly, but they've beaten the Indianapolis Colts and the LA Chargers. Yeah. Which is wild. It's crazy to think about, but here we are. Like, that's the, the NFL in a nutshell. Yeah. But we'll have to kind of wait to see how this all plays out, though. Since we both had the same leap... Why don't we just go breaking down the rest of the league, shall we, Pad? Yeah, sure. So looking at the Thursday night game, you had the Miami Dolphins playing the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, where the Bengals won by the final score of 27-15. to 15. Uh, But that is not the story, of course, everyone is talking about. The story everyone is talking about was the injury to Tua Tagovailoa, where he got, let's face it, he got suplex, mm-hmm. like Brock Lesnar style. Uh, got another concussion. I thought it was a lot worse because given how his, his hands kind of like crinkled up and froze, I thought it was a lot worse. Thank God it's not. 
but he is uh, had another concussion uh, and was taken off the field, did not uh, return to the game, uh, was taken to the medical center there in Cincinnati, uh, is doing fine now from what all reports are saying, but he is not cleared to return yet. Uh, he has not cleared concussion protocol as of this recording. Okay. I think if you're a longtime listener to the ODPH, you know I do not like the Miami Dolphins one bit. Nope. However, thoughts and prayers out to Tua. Or Absolutely. Posit- positive energy. Listen, he should never have came back in against the Bills. No, he absolutely did, not. He did not look right. I don't care who was trying to say it was a back injury. That was a head injury. Absolutely. The fact that Miami, and I don't care who it is on that Miami staff, head coach, trainers, owners, whoever said he's good to go in that game four days later, mm-hmm. you need to be kicked out of the league. Well, the thing we should note is that the independent doctor who is the one in charge of making these decisions and evaluating the players, that like they're not affiliated with the team in any way, shape, or form, has been fired. Well, yeah. So, so because they found, uh, so I forget what the exact verbiage was of the statement, but they found they found some mistakes in the assessment he made of Tua during the game on Sunday. Well, that's the whole thing. I'm sorry. Like, I don't like to see people lose their jobs, but you're putting somebody's life at risk. And and we're not necessarily talking, oh, he might have gotten killed. But, no, the man might have gotten paralyzed and put in a wheelchair. He could have gotten killed. Like, that's the scary thing about this. And the fact that you allowed him to go back out there in rough shape. And I can understand, well, you know, it's a contact sport. Sure. It's, you know, whatever. I'm sorry. You saw how he was looking in that game against the Bills. Mm-hmm. And granted, he won. Listen, I will give him his due. He won that game. Yeah. But still. You knew his bell was rung. You knew he was in bad shape. The fact that you let him take the field four days later right. is atrocious. And and we should note, if the proper protocols and procedures were followed in that he was diagnosed with a concussion because he wasn't diagnosed with a concussion during the game against the Bills. It was, oh, it's a back injury. That allowed him to come back in. But had he been able to or had he been diagnosed with a concussion on Sunday because of the protocol and the game, their next game being in so short a span, he would not have been able to clear concussion protocol and would not have been available to play the game against Cincinnati. Yeah. And we would have never had the second one. And the thing I've heard every NFL player on Fox sports, CBS, NBC, you know, FS one and ESPN all say it's not the first concussion. It's the second one right after. It. Absolutely. That's the worst. Well, and he had two within a span of four days. Exactly. Forget football. I'm hoping he's able to function mm-hmm. as a human being yeah. after this, let alone if he comes back and plays. I don't give a shit about football. I'm more concerned about him being normal mm-hmm. and living a healthy life. Yeah. The fact of that scene, and you see his fingers all messed oh, up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was absolutely horrific. But the fact that he was allowed to go in there is even worse. And I'm sorry. Whoever made that call should be fired, in my opinion. Should be kicked out of the league. You're done. Mm-hmm. Like, why this was allowed. And I'm sorry. This is where the NFL needs to come down harder on this team. And I'm not saying this with a bias of a fan. I'm saying this as a concerned human being that just saw somebody else nearly get paralyzed yeah. and killed. Well, and I, and I took solace that 
he went to the medical facility he did because uh, former NFL player and former Pittsburgh Steeler Ryan Shazier put out a tweet. And if you know his story, yeah. he's got a familiarity with spinal injuries. Exactly. He tweeted out uh, three prayer emojis for Tua. May God be with you and hopefully okay. The staff in UC Duke Hospital do a great job with care. You're in great hands, close quote. Yeah, no, he's at least getting the treatment he needs. Yes. I hope he does not come back until he's 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, screw football. This is not about a football thing. This is about him being able to function as a human being and live a healthy life. The fact that he's getting help is huge. So that is my takeaway from this. Yeah. Miami lost. Cincinnati won. Mm-hmm. They look good. End of story. Yep. Uh, you had the Minnesota Vikings beat the New Orleans Saints across the pond in an early game by the final score of 28-25. New Orleans would have won it, though, except if it weren't for that old cursed double doink on a 61-yard field goal attempt. Yeah, the fact you're going for a 61-yard field goal attempt, you probably should not deserve to win the game anyway. Like, I'm nah. sorry, let, let's, let's be honest. New Orleans is not the team we thought they were. Minnesota played well. I mean, yeah. Minnesota is one of those coin flip teams. You never know what team's going to show up on Early Sunday. 3-1. Deceptively 3-1. Uh, yeah. Uh, you had the Atlanta Falcons beat the Cleveland Browns by the final score of 23-20. to Who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Atlanta won. T- Atlanta's 2-2. Two I scary. Yeah, uh, you had the Dallas Cowboys beat the Washington Commanders by a final score of twenty-five to ten. Dallas is looking good. Dallas is looking good, but like I also want to say, temper expectations because yeah, like, Cooper rushes look good and all. Cooper's our savior. Cooper's this. Cooper's that. Like okay, yes, but the thing is, is he came in against you know uh, Tampa Bay with that whole thing. Although I think Dak mostly played that game. Sure, you know, but then they beat Cincinnati, which okay, hey, you beat Joe Burrow, congratulations. But also Joe Burrow was not what he should not playing as well as he should have been right you know he's since bounced back but still uh playing a you know an out of step joe burrow he beat danny dimes which again sorry giants fans i think you and i could beat danny dimes on our best day facts you know and then you beat carson wentz so congratulations you beat the last two games you beat daniel jones and carson wentz i don't think that's exactly anything to really be rah 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 cheering but like hey you're three and one it's that is something to cheer but it's a, it's a subject of your schedule. Three and one, but temper the expectations. Like I said, they're playing good. They're not great, yeah. but they're playing good. So I, if I'm a Dallas fan, I got to be excited about it mm-hmm. because we're right behind the Eagles. You're right where you need to be. So the fact that Dak is down and who knows what he's going to come back, I mean, what kind of condition he's going to be in, Right, whole different ballgame. But at least you're you're hanging in there and, and winning the games you should win. Yeah. Uh, and the next couple games should be interesting because they've got the Rams and the Eagles. Oh, that'll be fun. That'll be interesting. Uh, you mentioned the Seahawks Lions. You also had the Tennessee Titans beat the Indianapolis Colts by the final score of 24-17. to 17. Ugly game. Derrick Henry uh, finally showed up, though. 22 carries, 114 yards, one touchdown. And Jonathan Taylor's banged up. Yeah. That's something uh, for all fantasy football owners like yours truly you are concerned with. But it was division, and we knew it was going to be an ugly game. I mean, Indianapolis is the most boring team in football. Tennessee is right there behind them, yeah. so there's really not a lot of highlights to talk about here. Uh, you had the New York Giants beat the Chicago Bears by the final score of 20-12, to 12, although there are some issues uh, because, uh, what was it, um, Daniel Jones did leave the game with an injury, uh, and at one point I know they're using the Wildcat with Saquon Barkley during the game. Uh, as we record today, uh, he uh, Daniel Jones is listed on the injury report. He's currently listed as questionable, uh, and the ESPN.com website says, the Giants are optimistic that Jones, 
ankle. We'll be able to suit up week five versus the Packers in London, uh, Ralph reports. Uh, so anybody uh, backing up for Daniel Jones, because I'm pulling up their depth chart right now. Uh, Tyrod? Tyrod's their backup, and he's listed as questionable. They don't have anybody else listed on their depth chart. Uh, anybody else they sign, you better have your uh, passport. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting point for the Giants. I mean, they're not winning games pretty. They're, no. they're beating up a lower-quality team. I mean, let's face it, Chicago is not exactly scaring anybody right now. And the fact that Chicago almost pulled it off with the laterals upon laterals upon laterals at the end of the game. All they were missing was the band out on the field. Exactly. So, Giants fans, you can be happy about this, but, but you're a team that your fan base needs to temper your expectations. Mm-hmm. You're playing good, but like... It... All this Super Bowl talk you all are spouting out right now is absolutely wild. It's like it's like the people who choose to get... And you see it for almost every team. Uh, you know, they decide to get the Super Bowl tattoo before the season even starts. Yeah. But that's a lot of money for something you might not get. Yeah, exactly. So uh, pump the brakes, guys. Pump the brakes. You had the New York Jets. Yes, the New York Jets beat the Pittsburgh Steelers by the final score of 24-20, to 20, although I would put this more on the God-fucking-awful uh, quarterback play from Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky, uh, more so than the Jets. Yeah, this one, uh, Pittsburgh is making the change. Kenny Pickett is going to be starting. Trubisky, uh, unfortunately, the Maserati era is over. Now, the Maserati lost a few tires. 7-13, uh, 84 yards, no touchdowns one interception uh yikes if i was him i'd ask for the release and come back home to buffalo come back home and be the closer all is right in the world like listen we'll take you back in a heartbeat as, a, as the backup it's like kenny pickett 10 of 13 120 no touchdowns three interceptions though yeah but you know what the one interception you can't you cannot blame him on because it was a hail mary sure so that, that at the end of the game and sure and plus one of his receivers could have made a play on it and he didn't so yeah but I think the big thing to take away from this game is Brees Hall's late-minute touchdown at the end. Did it get in? Did it not get in? Mm. I did not think it got in, to be honest with you. I thought his head crossed the plane, but I did not see where the ball was conclusive about crossing in. So the Jets got away with one. Yeah. So Jets fans 2-2. Two and two. Yeah. Shocking, but... A little bit. You know, maybe it's Zach Wilson returning to the field to be the savior for this team. I don't know. Yeah, we gotta give Wilson his cre- his due. Two hundred and fifty two yards, one touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. Not bad. Two interceptions, but still, yeah. it's, you know, he's he's Zach Wilson, so he's not scaring me by any means. But this team looked improved, and this is a weird thing. Whenever I've seen Pittsburgh favored against the Jets, mm-hmm. always take the Jets. Like yeah. that's my unofficial gambling advice. Yeah, I have been burnt in the past. And I have what I've witnessed. Didn't the Jets fuck us over in the one parlay when you were out there with your dad? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Ken, when he was out in Vegas with his dad one year, was doing a parlay bet on the, the that Sunday's NFL games. Mm-hmm. And I forget what week it was. It was late in the season, week but ten. It, but it was so it was at a point where we knew pretty much how the games were going to go, and we're going through. And he's like, "All right, who do you think would do this?" We got every single one right, except for the Jets and Steelers. Because we were like, oh, it's the Jets. They fucking suck. Now, this now this wasn't Pittsburgh in, like, their Super Bowl run. Like, they're making, you know, it wasn't like the, the mid-2000s when, like, they were in the AFC Championship every year against the Patriots or something. Like, they were good, but, like, they should have easily beat the Jets. But, yeah, they, they burnt us. 13 games. Yep. And that one went up in smoke. Yep, had every other one right. And, no, I'm not saying how much money we would have won. <laughs> that still stings. Yeah. All right. Memories coming back. Go to the next game. Uh, the next game should make you a little happier because it was the B- Buffalo Bills defeating the Baltimore Ravens by the final score of 23 to 20. 
Oh man. Okay. So I listen. I'm gonna just say this. Baltimore has a very big problem closing. Yes. Big time. And I don't know what Harbaugh is doing. The Lamar Jackson interception was outright crazy. Yeah. I'm not saying Lamar is a bad quarterback by any means, but I think the play calling that was done in that late second half, fourth quarter. Yeah. Atrocious. Yeah, because, I mean, even if you just look at the box score, you know, Baltimore put up, what is it, 20 points in the first half Mm -hmm. and nothing in the second half. Now, we all think we got to remind people is this is a Buffalo Bills secondary that's a little depleted. Yeah. They're a little hurt. Got shredded by by a concussed Tua the week prior. You know, and and you've got Mr. MVP, early MVP favorite, I would say. I mean, if you don't believe me, look at the stats. You know, Mr. Early MVP Lamar Jackson at the helm. You know, and I think part of the issue was I kept hearing uh, Harbaugh bring up at the end of the game, oh, and the analytics of the game, the analytics of the game. Analytics are fine when you're game planning and you're wanting to figure out matchups and schemes and what you want to do and what's favored or this play or that play. But when it comes down to game time, and it's those late-minute decisions of, do I go for it on fourth and three, or do I punt it and trust my defense? you got to throw those analytics out the window because ultimately, at the end of the day, they're nice, and they're a nice little you know thing to look at and kind of use as a, as a gauge. You cannot use them to make your decisions. The numbers will lie when you're not looking through the right glass. This is a situation with two minutes left. It's fourth and one. You are in spitting distance for a field goal that can win you the game. And your defense had played solid enough that they could have stopped the Bills. I'm going to say it right now. I know Bills fans are all going crazy right now because I'm saying this. I'm a realist, folks. Yep. The Bills could have been stopped here. The fact that the Ravens took the foot off the gas and screwed around that final series is beyond me as a logical football fan to figure out. There was no chance that they should have been throwing the ball in that situation. At worst case scenario, at worst case, Mm -hmm. you cut a play for Lamar Jackson to do a reverse. You do something. Sure. For one freaking yard that close, you run the clock down. I'm sorry, and I'm sitting here watching at home. But yet here we are. Right. And this is the second time you've done it against a team from the AFC East, too. Mm-hmm. You let Miami back in off the hook. Yeah. You let the Bills back in. Yeah. There is trouble in Baltimore. And I and like listen, you can say it's two and two and it's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal. It, it's concerning because there are some cracks there that, you know, some better teams will be able to exploit a lot more. Yeah, exactly, and I know that some players are already ripping Harbaugh up and down on the sidelines. I am not saying Baltimore is going full implosion here, but this is something to watch as a Ravens fan, and hopefully your team comes together and bounces back because this was a bad loss. I'm sorry, this was an atrocious loss Mm -hmm, to the Bills. Because you are now currently tied for first place with the Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals, who are both 2-2. and Pittsburgh is in last place with a record of 1-3. and Right. You know, and I'm looking at their schedule. Uh, They've they've, uh, got Cincinnati this upcoming Sunday, then they've got the Giants, Browns, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and then they got a bye week in Week 10. But then to close out the year, they've got Carolina, Jacksonville, Denver, Pittsburgh, 
Cleveland, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati. There's a lot. There's a fair number of uh, division games in that stretch. Mm-hmm. Which you know, again, division games. You could be the best team in the NFL, but when it comes to division games, give me a coin. Fear the Browns, Ravens fans. Fear the Browns. Yep. Just saying, it always kind of falls that way. For the Bills, this is the win they needed. Obviously, they got the Steelers next week at home. So that should be a fun game. Um, it's kind of tough for Kenny Pickett to get walk into you know Rich Stadium there. I will always say it's Rich Stadium. I mean, listen, it, it, it's not going to be easy, but at least it's not like late December, early January. No, it's not. So, so it won't be like freeze your ass off cold, although it could be. It could be, but for the Bills, too, I, I also fear that they might think it's a trap game. Like, that's something as well, too. Oh, there we go. According to AccuWeather, uh, partly cloud, partly sunny, and 55 degrees. That's not that bad. No, it, it's not too bad, but obviously, you know, something for the Bills to really w- take advantage of being the bad teams. Sure. And I'm sorry, Pittsburgh's not great right now. So no, this, is, this is a prime win they should lock in. Should. Uh, you had the L.A. Chargers beat the Houston Texans by a final score of 34-24. to 24. Uh, listen, Chargers actually did something they should have done, beat a lesser team. 340 yards, two touchdowns from Justin Herbert, which, again, you should. The Texans are bad. Yeah, so nothing really to talk they're about o, They're 0 3 and one Exactly. Uh, you had the Las Vegas Raiders get off the schneid uh, and beat the Denver Broncos. About damn time. For their first win of the year, uh, beating the Denver Broncos 32-23. to uh, J- Josh Jacobs have a fucking game, don't you? especially for my fantasy team. Thank you very much. 28 carries, 144 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, the Raven or the Raiders looked like the team they should have been. Like, I'm sorry, this was the team that we've expected to see all season. Derek Carr played competently, zero interceptions. Look what happens. <laughs> and when he's clicking, I'm sorry, Denver is overrated as fuck. Mm-hmm. Sorry, like Russell had a had a good game. You know, two thirty seven, two touchdowns. But it's Russell Wilson, so that's to be expected. It's to be expected from him. But this is a situation that he is not delivering like. Denver thought he was going to do. I'm sorry. This is not Seattle. Everybody needs to realize there's different role players going on here. The AFC West is a lot tougher, in my opinion, than maybe something he was expecting. Well, the other thing, too, is I think he's been playing competently, Mm -hmm. but he's been trying to do it with a lesser receiving core, sorry, Denver fans, than what he had in Seattle. Because, I mean, I'm just reading off the names of the guys he's got there. K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Kendall Hinton. Eric uh, Saubert, Mike Boone, Montrell Washington, Russell Wilson himself caught a pass, Melvin Gordon III, Javante Williams. You know, there's some there's some decent names in there, but none of them hold a candle up to, you know, to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's working with lesser talent. I believe he lost Javante Williams for the year, too. Yeah, he did. There's a nasty uh, leg injury. Uh, LC, uh, uh, ACL, I think, is what it is. So this kind of went the way I thought it might go. I mean, the Raiders needed this win. Otherwise, their season was done. They still have some work to do, but this is a great win to build off of, and they just need to keep replicating this, and Derek Carr needs to play at this level. Mm-hmm. Zero interceptions. Sorry. The, the the Raiders live and die on him. They're doing everything else right. It's just on him. Yeah. So if he can do that, more power too. Uh, and then you had the Green Bay Packers beat to the New England Patriots by the final score of 27-24. to Rodgers had 251 yards passing, two touchdowns. Also, uh, one of those two touchdowns was his 500th career passing touchdown. I believe that was regular season and postseason. So, hey, congratulations to you, sir. Uh, the uh, big news, though, for the Patriots is obviously Mac Jones did not start this game because of his high ankle sprain. Uh, Brian Hoyer did get the start, although he did leave very early in the game because of a concussion. 
Gotta admit, this one threw me for a fucking bit because they went to commercial. I went to the I was I'll be honest, I was really on the fence about watching this game just because the Packers were favored by like ten plus points, whatever the hell it was. Uh, but I you know, I'm like, hey, I haven't been able to watch a game all year, partially because of work, but also partially because they haven't been on TV down where we live. That's mm-hmm. one of the downsides of rooting for an out of market team in the state of New York where we've got three. True. You know, so Hoyer left early. I went to the bathroom bathroom break and I got a notification from ESPN. Brian Hoyer, you know, will not return for the rest of the game. And I went, fucking wait, what happened? Yeah. I didn't, they didn't mention anything on the broadcast. I didn't see anything. When they went to commercial, they came back, they talked about it. And I'm like, well, I guess we get to see how that rookie we drafted this year plays out. You know, and Bailey Zapp did serviceable for a rookie quarterback, you know, who's prime, from what they said during the broadcast, sounded like he took a lot of, basically all of his snaps in college out of the shotgun. So slightly different offense. But considering he probably got next to no start practice time with the starters, and and considering it's his first career NFL start in Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers, who, kudos to you Packers fans in attendance, y'all are fucking loud. Mm -hmm. That came through on the television broadcast. You know, but considering everything, he played serviceable. You know, he he did very well. Do I think there's a quarterback controversy? Absolutely not. You know, no, is do I do I feel comfortable much in like the same way that like Brady was out that was the, for those first four games a couple of years ago and we had backups. You know, I was like, yeah, I don't know, but then they played serviceable. Is he a good service until Matt comes back? Yeah, sure. But do I think he's the be all end all? Nah. Listen, I think at this stage, I mean, he's a band aid, and we all yeah. know this. Yeah, and exactly. I, th- I think if anybody's trying to say otherwise, listen. Mac will be back when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. The fact that they hung with the Green Bay Packers, I don't know if that's good or bad for I, a... I'd say it's a little concerning just because, you know, this is Aaron Rodgers. This is the two-time, you know, back-to-back, reigning, defending, undisputed, you know, uh, MVP. You know, this and this is... The, I realize it's a Belichick coach team, but, you know, on the defensive side, you know, so the doing the defense has always been good. He always gains plans. So that, I think that did show for Rodgers. But I think for the Pat, you know, he had well, he had a good game, you know. But for the, the Green Bay defense, I think it's concerning, considering, again, you went up against a third-string quarterback, mm-hmm. a rookie, yep. making his first career NFL start who got next to no practice time with the first-string starters. Yeah. This should not have been close, and he should have been on his ass for most of the day. He was only sacked three times. Fully agree. That's why I say this is... It's a little concerning for the defense. It's a concern. It's definitely a concern. But Packers fans got to be happy being 3-1, yeah, and one, but no, Minnesota's, Minnesota's right with them. Yeah. Pats fans, like, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to take any shots. I'm, I'm not... I, I, obviously, I wouldn't do that. I'm just going to say if you can get back to Mac and then see if you can salvage something for the season, that's going to be the big win. Yeah, let's see. Pull up their schedule because I don't have it off the top of my head, surprisingly. Uh, they have got... Well, it's, there it goes. Uh, they've got the Detroit Lions this upcoming Sunday. Then they've got the Cleveland Browns, Chicago Bears, Je- uh, Jets, and then the Colts before a bye week in Week Ten. I mean, if you can go three out of five there, that's a good sign. The only the only thing that you know concerns me is how long is Matt going to be out? Is it going to need surgery? Is it not? At first, it seemed like he was. Now it's seeming like he's not. Much like Coach Belichick, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to sit here and speculate. No, nor should you. So we'll have to kind of wait and see on that. And believe one more game is on yeah. the docket. Uh, well, one more game that's been completed. Uh, we still have the Monday night game to go, so well, who knows what that one's going to do. Uh, but the Sunday night game was between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where you had the Kansas City Chiefs win by the final score of 41-31. to 31. Jesus. Video game numbers. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm going to say it now. Uh, Patty Mahomes has got Brady's number. I will say this as well, too. I mean, this game didn't go without its own uh, controversy, too. 
Cameron Brate's concussion. And, like, listen, NFL, you need to step in now. Like, uh-huh. I didn't want to go fully tilt when we were talking about Tua, but this was another situation. Somebody needs to do an investigation about how these concussion protocols are going and how they're getting diagnosed. The statement, the joint, I believe it was a joint statement put out by the Players Association and the NFL was nice. And, and it was good that you said you're evaluating and, and, you know, the concussion protocols and how things are handled and this and that. You cannot – because I know typically these things are done in the offseason with like – You can't wait. You cannot wait until the offseason. You have to do it now, and you have to be transparent. Now, I'm not saying you have to name who was involved, but you have to at least be specific on, you know, the the jobs of people. So it's like, oh, we dealt with a doctor from, you know, a, a neurotherapist from, you know, Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. And yada, yada. like you have to name doctors maybe where they work from. And, and what you decided, you have to be transparent about this or else you're going to be looking at another lawsuit similar to what happened with the CTE lawsuit from the former players. Yeah, I fully agree about that. I think they really got to step up and do something ASAP. This is a second incident in as many days. Mm-hmm. Get your shit together, NFL. Sorry, there's no excuse for this. None. And just to close out with the game, I mean, listen, Kansas City is doing Kansas City things. Facts. Tom Brady, listen, the fact that he got 385 and three is is a miracle at this age. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many times he's going to pull up that stat line and not win a game. but It doesn't happen often. No, but Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he matched them blow for blow, and it got to be a real scrap. And this is something that Kansas City, when they jumped out early, they usually don't blow leads. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing about them. They'll let teams get back in there, but they usually don't blow them. And I mean, this is typical Kansas State football. Love them or hate them. And for Tampa Bay, interesting to see that they're two and two at this stage. Yeah, because Brady has kind of slowed up a bit. Like a even, bit. even with the three eighty five, he still looked a little slower on the arm. And I think, the, and like I said last week, I really think the lack of having Gronk there is really hurting him because that was so, oh, it's showing. You know, much in the same way that Jason Witten was such a security blanket for Tony Romo. Mm-hmm. Rob Gronkowski was such a security blanket for Brady in that, like, hey, listen, ain't nobody open. I got this big, bulking tight end, you know, that I can throw to and catch the ball because, like I said last week, the stat with, you know, their third down conversions last year, they were number one in the league. This year, they're, like, bottom third. Yeah, it's a situation that for Tampa make a run for Brady's arguably final year, I mean, we have to wait and see. I mean, how many times is he going to pull up Brett Favre? Yeah. I, it's one of those situations, if they're going to make a run, they got to put it together fast and really kind of – Right, some wrongs. Yeah, because I'm looking at their schedule. They're, they they got to get it done now because that second half of the year, yeah, they ain't going to get any easier. They've got Atlanta this upcoming Sunday. Then they've got Pittsburgh, Carolina, Baltimore, the Rams, Seattle, bye week and week 11. Then they've got the Browns, Saints, Niners, Bengals, Cardinals, Panthers, and Falcons to close out the year. It's going to be a tough stretch for him. So mm-hmm. who knows what's going to happen. But that kind of sums up the week that was because it was a little wild, uh, a couple of very, very bad spots for the NFL that they need to go fix. And a lot of very questionable games that we didn't see happen. And so definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about week four of the NFL action? Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale Mai is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern, or find it anywhere you find podcasts 
after it debuts on the radio station. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and it's time to talk a little bit of wrestling. Wrestling. And this is going to be a very, very busy week of pro wrestling going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, it is. AEW is having a huge Dynamite celebrating three years of Dynamite, I yeah, believe. Yeah, something like that. And then you have GCW having a monster card this weekend. Impact yeah. Wrestling is also having Bound for Glory in Albany, yeah. New York, which I would have gone to, but... Well, New York Comic Con is calling, so thus I won't be able to attend that. So you'll be a couple hundred miles south. Yeah, I know. But it's a hell of a card. We talked about this on 607 TWS. Definitely plug in that show if you want to hear more wrestling content. But the big one that I think a lot of people are talking about is WWE Extreme Rules. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it's not all games, but it's extreme. It's close. And, Pad, why is it so extreme? Uh, because normally, unlike years past, uh, with the exception being last year, uh, every match, so you get to a, pre- a premium live event, a pay-per-view, and you'll have matches, and sometimes you'll have stipulations. But the kick, or I guess gimmick, you could say, with the extreme rules. Extreme! Pay- extreme pay-per-view match is that every match on the card has a gimmick of some sort to make it more violent, more hard hitting, you know, bigger stakes, you know, bigger odds, you know, so it, it's got a little more something to it. it. You know, it's something to change up the flavor a little bit, give it a little bit of zest. Yeah, it definitely does. This, I mean, this is the closest you get to ECW mm-hmm. in the WWE, like the real one, not talking yeah. the sci-fi network with the zombie and yeah. the aliens and all that jazz. This is probably the closest you get to where the WWE gets hardcore. Yeah. And they haven't done this in a while, like Pat touched about, like under Vince era. I think it was kind of always, I don't want to say taboo, but it was always something he kind of steered away from. Well, it was kind of like, oh, it'd be a ladders match or, or like a tables match or, you know, whatever. Or like the, like a, what was it, TLC one year? There was a stairs match, you know. Yeah. You know, it was never. Worst any, match. It was never anything crazy. Yeah. But now, under the Triple H regime, we're really taking it back to the extreme days. And this card legit looks solid yeah i mean there's a lot going on with it so we're gonna give you our preview of extreme rules so pad kick it off yeah first match we're going to talk about and this is probably not the order they're going to be in this is just the order i'm reading them often uh is a six-man tag team good old-fashioned donnybrook match between the brawling brutes that being sheamus rich holland and butch uh versus imperium uh, being gunther ludwig kaiser and giovanni vinci i'm not doubting that this kicks off the show in philly on Saturday night. Probably. I am dead serious about this because obviously on the Peacock Network, 8 p.m., it's going to be kicking off. I think this is the perfect match to set that crowd off because the six participants in here are just going to go in there and pummel each other. Like, mm. you're not going to see a lot of wrist locks. You're not going to see any kind of nonsense like that. Yeah. They're literally going to go swinging. I mean, you talk about Sheamus, who's one of the most hardest-hitting wrestlers <laughs> in there. Yeah. Butch, a.k.a. Pete Dunn, the bruiserweight. Ridge Holland, who is improving mm-hmm. vastly. I mean, obviously, he's been bit by the injury bug uh, quite some time in NXT, but now on the main roster. Uh-huh. Knock on wood, he's been doing okay uh, in the ring work. And then you have Imperium, yeah, Gunther, and his tag team, which I always want to say they're old names, but it's oh, uh, can get away with Giovanni Vinci and Ludwig Kaiser. These guys are going to go in there and absolutely set it off. This is this is not going to be a match for the faint of heart. To the, you know, to borrow an old phrase from the Looney Tunes cartoons, those of you with weak constitutions might want to leave the uh, theater. You know, because the thing with the, the old fashioned Donnybrook matches, it's essentially you know a no disqualification match. 
You know, so they're going to bring out the toys. They're going to bring out, you know, the kendo sticks and the chairs and the probably a barbed wire bat of some sort. You know, it is Philly. It is in Philly after all. ECW chants will be rampant throughout the night. You know, but th- like you said, this is going to be hard hitting just because you have Sheamus who don't work a little stiff, work, work a little tough sometimes. You know, also you got Butch who, listen, also tough and works hard. And then you've got Imperial, you know, you've got Rich Holland who, work, who can certainly go with the best of them, you know, in terms of like how hard hitting. Mm-hmm. And then there's Imperium, and then there's Gunther. Need I say any more? <laughs> Gunther chops harder than any man alive. He, he's one of the hardest choppers in the planet, you know. So he already chops hard. He already hits hard. And then just give him weapons and no disqualifications. It's a recipe for success. Yeah, so who you got in this one? I'm going to say Imperium, you know, through shenanigans or some other means. I don't know, but I'm going to say Imperium. I'm going Imperium, too. Uh, I don't know how I could see them Winning if Sheamus beats Gunther for the uh, Intercontinental title the mm-hmm. night before, because obviously they're going to be running SmackDown then. I I just think that it's going to be Imperium for some reason. Like I, I don't know by nefarious reasons or however you want to define it, but I think they get the W here as well. Could be. Uh, next up is a I Quit match uh, between uh, Edge and uh, Finn Balor of Judgment Day. So the backstory of this, in case you don't know, is Edge formed Judgment Day with Damian Priest and Finn Balor, and Rhea Ripley was added to the mix. Uh no, actually, uh, Finn joined later in yes. a, in a yeah, sur- yeah, swerve it, to everybody. It was Damien and then Rhea, and and then Finn was getting ready to join the group, but then uh, Damien and Rhea turned on Edge and kicked him out of the group. Yeah, so this has been Edge's revenge tour. They've added Dominic Mysterio to their ranks, which he's gotten better. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say I, I like watching him wrestle because I still think he should go to NXT. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I just I don't think his skill level is there. That's just my, my personal opinion. He's got the he's got the real smarmy you know prick aspect to being a heel. Wrestling still needs some work. Well, I think that he's around some people that can actually help him a little bit because I mean when you're with your dad, I mean granted his dad is Hall of Famer waiting yeah. Rey Mysterio Jr. It's one of the situations where you got to go learn from somebody else and really kind of see their craft. And Finn is great about working with Dominic about maybe mannerisms, mm-hmm. maybe that little stuff, because he's always great with him in the ring. Mm-hmm. And working with Edge now, too, that does help as well. So now you have the payoff with this match going on, and I know this is an I quit match. I'm not exactly sure how we're going to get here, but I'm calling Finn Balor needs this win. I'm going to say Finn Balor as well, but I think the feud is going to continue because I'm just, this is just spinning in my head now. I think that I think Finn Balor is going to get the win because Edge doesn't really need it. You know, I think Finn Balor and Judgment Day need it more. I think when you bring up Rey Mysterio is what triggered this for me. I think Rey's going to come out and try and try and get involved, try and save his son in some capacity because I'm looking the next uh, main roster because the next event on the Peacock is technically uh, Halloween Havoc, but it ain't going to happen there. The next event after that is Crown Jewel. I mm. think I think what's going to happen is Dominic's going to try and get involved, you know, and then they're going to try and stop him. Edge is going to attack him. Rey's going to come out for the save, and it's going to lead to a tag match at Crown Jewel with Edge. And Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio and pick whatever uh, Judgment Day member you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the the aura and the mystique of for the Crown Jewel event, which is supposed to be you know a major pay per view, you know a major event that you like you should watch all the time, having the aura and the mystique of like, hey, we're gonna have the Mysterios face off against each other, kind of enticing. Yeah, it's gonna be something for that, but I think for right now, this got to be Finn. It, it, oh, has absolutely. To be. it has to be. If they don't win, I'm sorry, dismantle the whole group and start over. Yeah. Uh, next up in a ladder match for the WWE Raw Women's Championship, you have Bianca Belair defending her belt against Bailey. 
So Bailey has returned with a faction damage control with Eosky and Dakota Kai, and they've been really pushed mm-hmm. heavily yeah. on WWE programming, period, just on both shows. I This is a situation where I think Bianca Belair is going to get the win. It's going to be a great match. It, Bailey is phenomenal in the ring, so obviously seeing her in this high-profile mm-hmm. match, that's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. I just don't see them making the switch to Bailey just yet. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, could they? I, yeah, of course. But I think it's smarter play to hold it out and extend this feud just a little bit longer because otherwise, I just don't know where you go with Bailey as champ right now unless you're building up when Sasha returns. But still, at that point, we've already been down that road. Right. So, I mean, that's my pick. I, th- I think it's going to end up being uh, Bianca as well, just because, like, listen, I b- giving it to Bailey would make sense, but I think, I don't think they, like you, I don't think they want to pull the trigger on that quite yet. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think there's anybody else in the waitings right now that is, like, ready for a feud on, on the uh, Raw. Candice LeRae obviously just returned. Nikki A.S.H. appears to be dropping, you know, based off of last week's events where uh, Candice LeRae returned. And, and you know, uh, there was the shot of Nikki A.S.H. dropping the mask and looking like she's ready to give up that gimmick. Is she going to go back to Nikki Cross? I don't know. But, like, I just look at the I just look at the field of play, you know, they've got for the Raw Women's title. And I don't necessarily think there's anybody ready there yet. You know, so I think they're going to stick with Bianca and maybe extend this feud out a little bit more. Like maybe, you know, damage control comes out and tries to get help her get the win like they've done, you know, with the tag matches and everything else. You know, but Bianca sees her. Oh, Bianca scouted ahead. Bianca was ready for it. You know, it didn't work on her. I think it's going to be Bianca at the end of the day, though. Yeah, I think that's probably a smarter play to do. So I'd be down for that as well. Absolutely. Uh, next up in a strap match is Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross. Again, those of you with weak constitutions might want to avoid this one because it's going to be hard hitting. Yeah, they're definitely going to leave it all in the ring. This could be the main event, to be honest with you. Could be. Since Karrion Cross has returned to WWE, he has been reestablishing himself as the NXT character that really generated a lot of buzz with the WWE universe. Now, we've all known him on the independent scene. He's done some fantastic work. Wherever he's gone, I'm a big fan of him and Scarlett. I think that their pairing is definitely working on the main roster because this is the vision that Triple H has had for them the entire time. This is what should have came up the first time. Not the whatever gladiator nonsense Vince had in his mind and reasons for that. But I think that now Karrion Cross is in a position that he can definitely hang with Drew McIntyre. They're going to put on a great performance. I fully see Karrion Cross winning this because – I think if he doesn't, I hate saying it's going to be a waste of time, but you're building him up to just lose. Like it, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. A loss here for Drew doesn't hurt. No, Drew's got a rocket strapped to him. He does not. This little loss does not hurt him. Yeah, so he can bounce back and obviously keep running this program more, which I think they should. I'm just saying what the, I think is the smart play is cross wins outright. You run it back with another crazy match. Yeah, I you know. I, I don't know exactly which one you would do for a stipulation, but I think it's smart. It's smarter to extend the feud because if Drew wins, I mean the next person to be fighting is is Roman again, and you just right, did that. So right. I don't see how that goes. Just me. Yeah. Uh, next up is an extreme rules match for the WWE extreme. SmackDown Women's Championship, and you've got Liv Morgan defending her belt against Ronda Rousey. Okay, so this one, I think, is going to go Liv's way. Mm-hmm. Now. It's, in case anybody is not familiar with Liv Morgan had that whole Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston underdog story to her winning the world title. Yeah. She has been somebody that has vastly improved her craft. She is somebody that has earned her spot. She had the fans behind her very much. 
And it's one of those situations when a champion sometimes wins the belt and then nobody knows what to do after, and the crowd gets very fickle. Mm. This is a situation that's happening with her. Now, she has been very smart about this to flip this into more heel heat than the uh, dreaded X-Pac heat, the go-home heat. Oh, yeah. She ain't there yet. It's not there yet. Yeah. But what I think she's doing is they're really rushing her to be an equal to Ronda Rousey, obviously former UFC champion, baddest mm-hmm. woman on the planet. Mm-hmm. They really want to have her as an equal. And I think a lot of times that push to make her that equal is not connecting with fans. Yeah. And it's too much too soon. It's it's almost like in a sense when um, they were pushing Jinder Mahal to be world champion yeah. out of nowhere. Well, we know why. But... Well, we know why, but I'm just saying the aesthetics of him in the ring after losing, losing, yeah. losing on every single match. Yeah prior to and then also yeah. pulling a win off and now he's unstoppable. Yeah. It's almost an eerie comparison to that. A little bit. Almost. A little bit. But I think now with Liv, they're really trying to establish that she can hang with Ronda, especially in a match like this Extreme Rules. I fully think Liv is going to win this one mm-hmm. to, to keep pushing this feud out. It'll be by nefarious ways. It could even be by Shayna Baszler costing Ronda the match. Mm, I could see it. But I think Liv hangs on for another day as champion. Yeah, I, th- I think Liv ends up uh, winning this match. I think there will be nefarious means. I think it could be, yet again, a ref, uh, bump, ref, goof, ref, whatever you want to call it, where, like, every time she's in the ring, the refs seemingly forget how to do their job, you know, type of thing. You know, you know, I think she's, it, I think she still has time for the belt. I don't know. I don't think it's time at all. She's going to turn things around and things are going to go for the better. I think she's going to work with what she's got. I think she even had a quote the other day where it's like, listen, they don't love me. They don't have me. I'm just going to be there and do what I do, you know, which is, which is fine, you know, but I think at the end of the day, she's going to come out and be uh, remain champion. It's a smart thing to do because obviously she's still drawing a reaction from the crowd. And yeah. like I say, the crowd is very split because there's a lot of people that are still behind her and rightfully so. I mean, she's earned everything she's gotten here. I just think it's a situation when you go up against like a Rhonda or Charlotte or Sasha when you go up against somebody that's really over, mm-hmm. it's tough to really try saying, okay, well, you've been kind of hanging in the mid-card for this long, and now all of a sudden you're supposed to be a top main eventer out of nowhere. And I think a lot of times that story gets kind of a little skewed mm-hmm. uh, unfairly, but I think it does. So I think in this situation, the feud gets extended one more time. Like I said, I'm going to say Shayna comes in and does some interference. I, I mean, it could be somebody else they're bringing up from uh, NXT or returning. It could be something like that. Could say it. But it's going to be an interesting play to see, nevertheless. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, uh, you have Matt Riddle taking on Seth freaking Rollins in a fight pit match where you've got former UFC light heavyweight champion, former UFC uh, heavyweight champion, the former Strike Force heavyweight Grand Prix champion, and the former King of the Cage heavyweight champion, the one, the only, Daniel D.C. Cormier. A special guest referee. Huge. Absolutely huge get for Cormier to go there. This feud has been one of the best they've done since the Triple H era has been on. Since Vince took over. Yeah, I want to stress that. Yeah, no, since Triple H took over, this has been absolute money. Mm-hmm. And this has been delivered on every single level. It's fantastic storytelling. The fact that you're having Seth Rollins being Joker Seth Rollins and really pushing the buttons of Matt Riddle, yep. even tying into the John Jones and Daniel Cormier beef from the UFC mm-hmm. has been perfect. This match, I'm going to say right now, I think Rollins wins, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed for 
reasons, <laughs> Brock Lesnar comes to that middle of that Ooh. ring and challenges Daniel Cormier. That'd be good. Uh, so for those of you who don't know what a fight pit match is, reading off of the Wikipedia page for professional wrestling match types, uh, it says, quote, the fight pit match is a variation of a cage match where the ring is surrounded by a steel cage rather than ropes and turnbuckles with a catwalk surrounding the top. The catwalk has metal railings surrounding the outer edge, which the wrestlers can climb up to and jump from. The match also has no pinfall stipulation, which means it can only be won by submission or being unable to stand up at a 10 count. The inaugural fight pit match was held at, during the May 27th, 2020 episode of NXT between Timothy Thatcher and Matt Riddle mm-hmm. with special guest referee Kurt Angle. Yeah. So in case you don't know what it is, that's what it is. I'm super excited for this. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Daniel Cormier is a huge pro wrestling fan. I think at one point he had uh, Bobby Roode's glorious theme as his ringtone, uh, if you called him. You know, he's been wanting to get in the WWE for a while and do something. I, I know at one point it was rumored he was going to be a color commentator mm-hmm. for Raw or SmackDown, you know, but obviously he's a little busy with the whole UFC commentating thing. You know, but this is going to be awesome. And, and if it's a way to get the Brock Lesnar... Daniel Cormier match to happen, even if it's a professional wrestling ring, I'm all for it. Because if you don't remember, a couple years ago, uh, Daniel Cormier won, you know, won a match in UFC and then called out loud. He goes, "Oh, there's a guy here tonight that I don't want to call out, and I've been wanting to fight him for a while." Brock Lesnar, get in here, you know. And then Lesnar came in the octagon and shoved Cormier. But then for what can reasons. reasons it never happens. So if it finally happens, even if it's a, in a professional wrestling ring, fucking give it to me. Absolutely. I, I'm all here for it. I think they need to do this. I think it's smart to do this. And if they can really build this up into something survivor series short term, I mean, or they want to try going WrestleMania. I, I think they save it for mania. It'd be smart to do. Cause you don't need to pl- put rock into a main event program. And that, and that program writes itself. Just ask Dana, if you can use the footage of them, of that, uh, in the octagon moment, you know, from years ago. Yeah, I'm sure he probably he'd cut something for yeah. it. I think it's smart to do. So I'll say, Christ, you know, WWE let The Rock use his uh, entrance theme when he showed up at MSG a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, there's a there, very, there, there's a working relationship. There's a very cordial relationship between them. So I think it's smart to do, and I think that WWE is really back into gaining pop culture status. I think this is the best play to make happen. Riddle sure. wins, but Lesnar comes out. But that's not even the big main event per se, because everybody is hinting to close this segment out that we will get the reveal of the White Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Now, the virtual marketing ploy that they've do, they've done for this character. Masterful. Masterful. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you. And in fact, it's all been tipped off. It's Bray Wyatt. Yeah. I don't see how they could do it yeah. otherwise and it go over. Pad, your thoughts on this if Bray comes out on Saturday? If if Bray comes out on Saturday, I'm all for it. Go full tilt, creative control, just give him bullet points of what he's got to get to. You know, I, I think he's one of the most talented and brilliant minds in professional wrestling when given the opportunity to do what he does. Mm-hmm. It's just when you try and hamper that and hold him back and try to do what you, you, you know, you, not you, the listener, but like what creative wants to do is where it kind of hurts. I think obviously creative has to have some sort of control in saying, cause like, Hey, we want to have these matches. We're going to do X and Y. But I think if you give him the creative space, you know, the bullet point problems, like, Hey, just get to X, Y, and Z. We don't care how you do it. I think it's, it's a recipe for success. I do too. I think they're smart to do this. Obviously the marketing has been fantastic. We talked about this last week. Just doing the subtle Jefferson airplane airplane song mm-hmm. at house shows, and now it's kind of spiraled out to QR codes popping up, yeah. and now the sign, you know, yeah. reveal yourself or whatever the sign was in this past week's Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. yeah, they're being smart about their stuff. So doing this, it makes sense, 
And this will be a big tip off because that Philly crowd is going to explode. Oh, when the they Philly see crowd is going to go nuts. And and I think what would be a great thing to have him come out is not even the Jefferson airplanes. Although they could do that. Remember a couple of years ago, they had the little kid doing, they got the, huh? and it was creepy as fuck. Mm-hmm. Whole thing now has been the white rabbit. Have some record, some kid doing a creepy rendition of little bunny foo-foo. Oh, Jesus. Mary Joseph, that'd be nuts. I would like, my skin would start crawling. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'd be able to handle that. It's going to be a fun night of wrestling nevertheless, so you definitely want to make sure you're checking that out on the Peacock Network on Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But like we said, there is a ton of wrestling to discuss, so definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What are you expecting from WWE Extreme Rules? Let's get that out of the way first. We definitely want to talk about the WWE show because we think it's going to be the best one of the weekend. But it has competition with Impact Wrestling, GCW, AEW, three-year anniversary of Dynamite as well. If you want to hear more about that, 607TWS, the wrestling show this week is out on all major podcast platforms. And and if you want even more pro wrestling content, make sure to keep an eye appealed for the ODPH's Blogs Count Anywhere, the pro wrestling blog that complements the ODPH and 607TWS. Definitely going to try working out something before New York Comic Con this week. That being said, hit us up on that hashtag. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Calling all movie buffs, cinema lovers, and film fanatics, welcome to the Silver Screen Savers podcast. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. And I'm Tyler Sukas. And we're a show for movie fans by movie fans. Every week you can catch us discussing the world of cinema, including dissection of films both new and old, our takes on what's to come, career retrospectives of the most prolific names in the business, and much, much more. Listen in via your favorite podcasting apps including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and more. You can also join the discussion and leave suggestions for future content by writing to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com, following us at screensaverspod on both Instagram and Twitter, as well as liking us on Facebook at Silver Screen Savers Podcast. We'll see you at the cinema. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And, Pad, let's talk a little more wrestling before we wrap up the show. Okay. So this week is a big week for AEW. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it is? Uh, no. It is the three-year anniversary of AEW. Oh, I yeah. slid that in. We were talking about WWE, but they do have a very noteworthy card for AEW Dynamite that's going to be taking place this Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TBS. And I got to say, on paper right now, it's really looking decent. Okay. I, you know, like I know that we, we are very... Critical because we are very passionate fans, but yes. we like 607 TWS always says we call it things right down the middle. I will admit, like, this is actually one of their better stack cards. I'm just okay. hoping they, they don't do a lot of interview segments. They've been doing that lately. It's been reminding me of Vince McMahon era mm. WWE of late. But one of the matches that they're featuring Tony Stormvers and Athena and Willow Nightingale against Jamie Hader, Serena Deeb, and Penelope Ford. So it'll okay. be a great women's contest. Yeah. Roosh is taking on Hangman Adam Page. They just added Wardlow versus Brian Cage for the TNT title. Interesting. So I'm very excited to see that match. Wheeler Yuta versus MJF. Please just don't let Wheeler talk on the mic. That's <laughs> I, I don't ask for much. I'm asking for that. Jay Lethal and uh, Darby Allen are going to lock it up. And then Daniel Garcia and Brian Danielson are taking on Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara in a tag team title match. So this is going to be an interesting show. Definitely, if you've been sticking with AEW, it's been a little polarizing for the past three years of what you thought about Dynamite. I'm actually going to be talking about this on the Blogs Count Anywhere, so I'm going to do a deeper dive of AEW's three years of Dynamite. 
this week. So you definitely want to check that out when I post it. And you can find that blog on the Parlay Points section of odphpodcast.com. But let's wrap this show up in style like we always do. It's locks and leaps time, Pad. Oh, boy. So we don't have the standings for this week, obviously, because the week is not wrapped up. But that's why you need to tune into ODPH Podcast on Facebook, where we post the standings each and every week. And we'll be swinging it on Twitter and Instagram this week as well. So, Pad, do you have your locks and leaps ready, or do you want me to go first? I do have my locks and leaps ready. Uh, For my lock, I'm going to be taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Currently, Tampa Bay is favored by eight points. So I think uh, the ghost of Super Bowl's past are going to come to haunt Atlanta, and uh, I think New England, or New England, Christ, uh, Tampa Bay is going to be able to win that game. Uh, And for my leap, I'm going to be taking Joey Burrow and uh, the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Baltimore Ravens. Currently, Baltimore is favored by three points, but I think... uh, Baltimore's dealing with a little shell shock. You know, I always steer away from division games too, and I was looking at that leap, but I'm actually going out on a limb. Uh Uh-oh. Because I'm so fucking pissed off at Miami. I'm taking the Jets as my leap. Hey, Jesus Christ. They're plus three Uh, against Miami. Uh, Well, and and update to it is ruled out for this week, so it will be Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Yeah, so J-E-T-S-F-U-M-I-A. Am I just putting that out there? Uh, I'm taking the Jets for my leap. And then my lock, I'm already getting enough heat with Giants fans. I don't care. Just pour on more gasoline. I'm taking the Packers minus eight Okay, at Lambeau. Okay. At Lambeau. So, uh, yeah, let's get some heat on there. So, definitely, you'll be hearing a lot of angry tweets going on on Twitter this weekend at ODPH Podcast on the socials. So, that being said, Pad... We'll keep it very short and very sweet. If you want to talk to the directory, which has friends of the show, organizational link support, and Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we're in, especially shout out to our guys over at 3FN Podcast. If you want to talk to the directory, which has um, how many links to the podcast? Uh, 103,000. Man, we're going up each and every time. Everybody says we're going, how can you keep doing it? We just find a way to do it. So if we're not your favorite podcast provider, I don't know how you're listening to us because we're right there. Boom, click, it's done. Parlay points, T Public Store, the Patreon, which has got some stuff in the works. Uh, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Social media accounts for anything and everything that is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's all we got for this week. So for the one only Padawanche. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Down to the punch, cause they can't